Hello, America. Welcome to Legal Anatomy of Current Events. I'm Gary Bell along with Brad Pollack. We're here for you every week. We take the current events in our country and we break them down for you legally. We give you the legal analysis. We call it legal anatomy. We call it anatomizing your mind. So you can have the legal story, the inside story, the story within the story, and then you can make up your own mind once you hear this, once you hear the facts, once you hear the legal analysis, you can make up your own mind as to the issues we're talking about. Now, you know this is a non-political show, non-buy show, non-partisan show. However, we cover hot topics. We cover hot political topics, and this week we're talking about Trump's indictment in Georgia. Trump's indictment in Georgia. What is it? Trump, the indictment in Georgia, the right to a speedy trial. Defendants are separated separated out from the rest of the defendants. What is that all about? What's the legal analysis of all of that? Well, you're going to find out today on Legal Anatomy of Current Events, and here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. As one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And to the republic for which it stands. The Democratic National Committee is located in the Watergate office building. The burglars forced a stairwell door, then taped its latch open. Well, I'm not a crook. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One nation under God. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. And you can see the two towers, a huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. Good Lord, there are no words. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Title IX, the landmark civil rights law. It marked a watershed moment for women's rights when it passed in 1972. And the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. Legal Anatomy of Current Events, preparing for launch. Legal Anatomy of Current Events, launch sequence started. D-16, IU green to go, propellants pressurized. T minus 15, legal anatomy of current events. SC ready and green to go. T minus 14, FOS ready, green to go. T minus 12, S1C fuel tank pressurized. T minus 11, SC green to go. Legal anatomy of current events, green to go. T minus 10, internal power, green to go. LES ready for ignition. T minus 9, 8, 7. We have ignition. Five, four, commit for launch. Green, three, two, one. We have liftoff. Repeat, we have liftoff. Legal anatomy of current events, all for you. Now on the air, target locked. All right, Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, we're back. We're at, we're attorneys out of Denver, Colorado. Legal anatomy of current events. We're so glad to do this show each week. And this week we're talking about uh, Don Trump. We're talking about the Georgia indictment. There's indictments other places. We're probably going to get to them in our podcasts and our shows. But we're talking about the Georgia indictments. What's that all about? What's the legal story? What's the legal analysis? So the kind of the preview of the movie here, the preview of the picture, right? There were there were there was a grand jury. There was a special grand jury and a grand jury. And we're going to tell you what the difference is. 
It's really kind of fascinating under Georgia law what that is all about, a special grand jury and a grand jury. Also, the special grand jury recommended indictments against 39 people to indict 39 people. But eventually, only 19 were indicted. What's that all about? How does that work? How does the DA do that? And then we have two people, right, Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbrough. Uh, they said they want a speedy trial, and so they got separated out from the rest of the pack, so to speak, and they're going to get a speedy trial, and what's the legal basis of that, and how can they do that? And then more importantly, how is that going to affect the indictments and the remaining parties. So, Brad, let's talk about the fact that, you know, the, the, the special grand jury recommended 39 to be indicted, then only 19 were indicted. How in the heck does that work? Well, let, let's start with a few disclaimers or a few disclaimers. I, I don't have a side in this uh, war that's going on down there. I don't have any political aspirations one way or the other, a little political concerns one way or the other, or, or I'm not trying to help Mr. Trump or ex-President Trump. I'm not help, trying to help uh, anybody in Georgia. Um, I'm just calling it the way I see it, and it's very interesting to me uh, as far as what's going on. And so you talked about 39 people uh, that, the, um, that the special grand jury um, recommended being indicted, but my understanding is that once the special grand jury identified who they recommended be indicted, that has to go to the grand jury for an indictment. And then the grand jury has to uh, make the indictment. And at some point there, the, the, the district attorney decided to only uh, uh, have 19. I think that's a really interesting topic because did the, um, did the district attorney just decide I don't think the grand jury is right on the other 20 or did the, um, did the district attorney decide, well, wait a minute. Um, I think I can only handle 19 and I'm going to let 20 walk because I can only handle 19. And if so, why did you pick the 19 you did? Uh, do you, are you, are you immediately casting doubt on the legitimacy of the indictment from the special grand jury, when you say I'm only going to I'm going to take less than half of the people that you told me to indict, and I'm I'm the and more than half I'm not going to indict at all. That's a great point, Brad. We never talked about that point in prep, preparation for the show. That is a really really good point. You got half the field that kind of just walked away. Uh, so yeah, just go so, ahead. So that's a great point. So so why are you doing it? Um, this district attorney, uh, what, what was your, what was your reason? And I haven't seen a reason anywhere in my research as to what's going on, except what I hear is from legal pundits throughout the thing uh, to throughout the news, always talking about the fact, well, you know, th th these to, to try to have a trial of all 19 of these people would take months and months and months. It would be very burdensome and bulky. Um, I uh, will readily admit I don't do that much criminal work, very, do very little criminal work, but um, I, I think that any, any district attorney that thought for a minute that she was going to be having a trial of all 19 people at one time wasn't being realistic. 
I mean, you know, they've even come out and said that the courtroom doesn't have a, or the courthouse doesn't have a courtroom big enough to even hold the 19 people and to have all the other people that would have to be in the courtroom and to be able to carry out the, the case. You'd almost have to do it in a gymnasium, I guess, you know. So you stop to start to talk about it. You go, well, did you cut down from 39 to 19 because that, that was the situation? Uh, or did you, when you went down to 19, did you recognize at that point you were probably going to have multiple trials? And of, of, of necessity, you had to figure you were going to have multiple trials. As a necessity, you had to figure out you were going to be playing into the strategy of some of the defendants, especially with the RICO actions. Because, you know, you've got, the, you've got certain defendants who are very, very prominent, uh, the, the ex-president being one of them, and you've got other people who are not as prominent. And did you think for a minute there wasn't going to be some wrangling, if there is some, behind the scenes where, the, where Donald Trump and his people are looking at other ones who are going to be char- who are charged with the same thing and are under the same RICO claims, and are looking and saying in to the to certain of the defendants, you go first, you go. I want you to go first, and I'm going to have somebody sitting in the courtroom watching what you said, what's being said, and watching what all the evidence is, and watching how it plays out. Right. Well, when you're talking about RICO claims, we're talking about racketeering claims, and we're going to have a podcast coming up to explain those claims and the specific indictments, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. The purpose of this one is uh, I've got my own theory as to why Fannie Willis, the, the, the district attorney, didn't indict or ultimately indict or charge all 39 of them. Uh, I think the grand jury uh, said we, we, have the, we recommend the indictment, we indict them, but I think it's prosecutorial discretion which means she can decide which one she's going to proceed on. So I think she picks the ones she thinks she has the most powerful or solid evidence against and proceeds on those. But Well, wait, wait. Uh, you know, a little bit of debate there. If she did, then is she, by virtue of d- just going that way, saying she didn't have that good a case against Trump because she's not going first with Trump? Well, yeah, I, I, no, that wasn't my point. My point is the fact that she said some people aren't going to get indicted at all. Oh. And some that are. And so the ones that are indicted, I think I have stronger evidence against. Uh, and we're going to talk about the two that wanted the speedy trial. So that, that was my point there. But before we go on, you, not, you need to learn today, right now, that in Georgia, there, there, as Brad just mentioned, there's a grand jury and there's a special grand jury. And those have d- different meanings. So what happened first? What happened down there? They convened a special grand jury. You see, a grand jury just sits for like two months. And they hear all, all kinds of cases. They might hear a robbery case today, a burglar case tomorrow, a, burglar, a murder case uh, the next day. A special grand jury is focused on one set of facts, one, one set of circumstances, one event, so to speak. And a special grand jury doesn't have a time limit. They don't, get, they don't close up shop in two months. So they do that. But under Georgia law, a special grand jury cannot indict anybody. They can only make a recommendation. So they made a recommendation or their recommendations as to who, was to, who, who should be indicted. Those recommendations from the special grand jury went to the grand jury who can and did indict people, they indict 39 of them. And so that's where we are now, Brad, to the point where she's only going to uh, pursue, pursue the 19 of them. But, but let's just talk about that. I want you to break off and talk about the two the two defendants that, that invoke their right under Georgia law to have a speedy trial, why would they do that? 
And why would not the other defendants do that? Well, that's that's an interesting topic right there. Now, we, remember, we got a third defendant, if I remember right, it's only one more, uh, a third defendant who is arguing these claims should be in federal court and uh, they shouldn't even be in the state court, at which point that can set up, bring in a whole new set of laws, a whole new set of procedures, a whole new way of dealing with the case. But you do ask, why Why did you have, in, in Georgia, you're presumed not to be invoking your right to a speedy trial unless you specifically say, I'm invoking my right to a speedy trial. So in Georgia, you don't get a speedy trial unless you say, I want one. Right. Now, some states are different. For instance, Colorado, uh, you automatically have a right to a speedy trial, and they have to, the district attorney has to get you to trial or the judge or the jury or the court or whatever you want to say has to get you to trial within the time limits of the particular charge that, 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 that apply to the speedy trial. And you can waive that right to a speedy trial and have more time. Uh, in Georgia, it's, it's flipped. And because it's flipped, it, it starts saying what's happening with respect to uh, the the 19 people who've been indicted and you got to remember so we had a special grand jury who went to the grand jury and said please indict him and he went to had the grand jury that went to the district attorney and said please indict him uh, now then you had 19 people sitting there deciding whether or not they were going to make a claim or make a, a demand for a speedy trial of the 19, only two did so. Right, and that was Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro. Right, and you got to ask yourself now: Did uh, uh, you know? Did Powell and Chesbro just do this under a um, uh, under just out of the blue, just because they wanted to get it done fast, or and, and without talking to any of the other defendants, without any of the defense attorneys talking to each other, because they have different defense attorneys, you know, so. Did the defense attorneys talk to each other? Was there any kind of strategy put behind this as to what the particular kind of charge is and how we're going to put it together and and then say we're all going to be learning off of each other? And if so, why did Powell and Chesbro get to go first? Okay, well, and I got, when I say I got get to go theory. first, why, why, maybe it was why did they have to go first or did they pull the short end of the straw? Or what did they do? You know, now that this is being very frank, but don't think for a minute that all 19 of these people didn't have some strategies they were using in concert together. Right. But I want to go back and explain. Yes. And we're going to get into that because I want to explain to everybody how important the speedy trial rules. You hear all oh, speedy trial, speedy trial. So let's take Colorado example first, because it's just the opposite. In Colorado, you automatically have a right to a speedy trial automatically. And you can waive it, but you automatically have it. And I want you to understand this. It has to be done within six months in Colorado. So if somebody is charged with murder, murder, rape, arson, all at once, and the state of Colorado doesn't get them to trial within the time period, the charges are dismissed, gone. They're not going to be tried. That's how serious this case is. So in Georgia, Brad, you're right, they flipped it. You don't automatically get the right to a speedy trial, but you can ask for it. And if you ask for it, they got to give it to you. Right. So two of them ask for it. Now, that, now that's an important concept, speedy trial. Yeah. You know, because you've got to look at it, and this is another concept. You've got to wonder what's going on. Because why do you want a speedy trial? Well, once upon a time, you know, long, long ago, when our Constitution was being put together, you used to have authorities who would arrest somebody and throw them in jail and leave them in jail 
for a long, long time, for years at a time before they ever got to trial. Uh, and so it's, oh, well, wait a minute. If you got them incarcerated, get them in a trial so you can decide. They so, might be innocent. So, yeah, an innocent person doesn't spend two, three, four years in jail just waiting for their trial. Now, you know, maybe even when you start saying, well, we, you, we got bail and we can have them out on bail, maybe a person doesn't want to live under the onus of a, of a, of a charge of some kind of criminal conduct um, day in, day out, get up every morning as they go to the store, they go to work, or they go go do whatever they're going to do back in, when this was being first formulated and even to, through today. Maybe they don't want to wake up every day with that cloud hanging over their head. And you go, well, that makes sense. Most people wouldn't want to hang have that cloud hanging over their head. They wouldn't want it. They'd want to be able to get, you know, let's get this over with. Let's figure it out and, and get it done. Um so then when you do that, you start going, okay, why did 17 defendants decided we want to leave this hanging over our head? We want to leave, the, uh, leave it out there that we're a defendant accused. Why does Giuliani want to, want to have that? But, over, but let's over talk about that point because the 17 defendants decide, I want a speedy trial. They really want delay. And most of them want delay. And Trump wants delay. And so they don't want speedy trials. They want delay. And so we're just going to stick with the rule to let us let us delay and delay and delay, and we're going to try to try to make it delay even further and not have the trial date. That's one. That's one. But I have another theory, and I think it works like this: if you're if you're lumped in together with with all these other all these other defendants, right? Nineteen people indicted. There is a real risk that when you're in a courtroom with nineteen other or eighteen other people, seventeen other people, that you're just going to get lost in the mix. You're going to get thrown into the bucket. And so if they say, well, somebody got is guilty of racketeering charges, so they all must be. And so if you have the speedy trial and you're the only two, Brad, then then you get a clear shot, as one strategy would say, a clearer shot at, at understanding I didn't do this. I'm single. I'm separated. I'm not just lost in the middle of the pack. Well, yeah. Uh, but then again, you could have a judge look and say, okay, you 17 who didn't invoke your right to speedy trial, um, I'm going to set a trial date instead of six months out, if that's the speedy trial rule in Georgia, instead of six months out, I'm going to invoke, I'm going to set a speedy trial date nine months out for all of you. I want all 17 of you in here then. Or, you know, I want eight of you in here on that. Here's here's the eight I've decided are going to go on, on you know, a certain a date, December 5th. And here's the other eight or nine of you that's going to go to trial on January fifth. Uh, have fun. We're gonna we're gonna do you all at once because that's that's way the indictment. But came. think about that, brother. That makes the prosecution prove their case multiple times. It makes the prosecution prove their case against the two Sidney Powell and Kenneth Shesbro against the two that requested speedy trial. Then turn around and do the whole trial, a whole trial, all over again on the same issues against the other nineteen. And if more more people get carved out, then they get carved out. But th- then you have to reinstitute the proof. And then the 19 that waited got to see, I mean, the 17 that waited got to see exactly what the proof was against the two, exactly how the documents came into evidence, exactly what the testimony was. And it helps you gr- greatly, defense lawyers, prepare for the next round. Sure. And, you know, in this country, we're allowed public trials. So I don't think that the prosecution can do anything to hide what comes up or what goes on in the first set of trial or in the first trial. No, not going to be able to do it. It's going to come out and it's going to be well known. Now, if you happen to be the ex-president running as a 
uh, to become the next president and you happen to be saying you're being picked on and you're being prosecuted for no, uh, well, not only being prosecuted, being persecuted. And because of that, you uh, uh, have all this stuff hang over your head and poor me and look at the terrible cloud I have to live under. And if that happens to get sympathy votes for you, maybe you don't want to go to trial. Maybe you just want more charges. Maybe you want more charges. Well, not only that, Brad, but but if you go to trial, it's either going to be guilty or not guilty, and right. and and you may not want to have the guilty or not guilty finding. I mean, if it's not guilty, great. But if it's guilty, that creates a whole different set of problems. So the more you can delay the trial, the more you can legitimately push it off in the future. You don't get to that resolution, and then you can do what you just said. I've been charged wrongfully. I've been persecuted because there has been no jury determination. Okay, let let's let's put a, a an imaginary number just. Well, let's say there's 100 people listening to this podcast. And let's say of the 100 people, um, when they listen to it, by the time it's over or by the time in years. Uh, well, year I from prefer 1,000 people, but go okay, ahead. Okay, we can go 1,000 I mean, if couple, you want. A couple of 3,000 people. If you want go to go, I don't care if you want to go 100,000. All right. You know, when the people who are listening to this podcast, they're going to be saying there, there's a bunch of them, uh, a huge uh, a number of them. They're going to say if, if Trump gets found guilty. Uh, if he gets indicted and he gets found guilty, they're going to say, I don't believe it anyway. Uh, it just goes to show you that our jury system doesn't work, that nothing works right, uh, they, they, they got the wrong people and they made the wrong impressions and it didn't work, and by gosh, I, I believe he's not guilty anyway. Now, whether that, that results in a vote or not or what it does, that's that, how many people are going to have people saying that. Then... Of that same thousand, hundred thousand, hundred, whatever you want to say, people, there's a bunch of them that if he's found not guilty, they're going to say, we all know he's guilty. This judicial system doesn't work right. Our legal system doesn't work right. It lets innocent people walk, and and he should have been found guilty, period. So either way... It's, it's, it's an argument. You're, you're going to have huge numbers of people, regardless of whether he's found guilty or not guilty, they're going to be saying, wait a minute, we don't think our, our legal system worked correctly. Because anytime you have a trial, you always have people walking out saying it didn't work correctly. Right, but one, one thing, you can guarantee yourself. You can guarantee that the conversation happened between the attorneys and their clients of the people that did not request a speedy trial the conversation happens something like this. Would it be to our advantage legally to delay this off? Would it be to our advantage legally to not have a speedy trial? Would it be to our advantage legally to push it off as far as we can? If the answer is yes, then we're not going to request a speedy trial. Then we're going to sit back and watch the evidence come in against Sidney Powell and Kenneth Jesbro. We're going to prepare better. We're going to push it off down the road. Think about this also, Brad. You know this as well as I do. If you have five attorneys in a case, much less, 19 or 17 attorneys in a case, they're all going to file motions, all of them. And they're going to file this motion, that motion, maybe motions to exclude evidence, maybe motions for, for with regard to evidentiary matters. They have to be ruled upon, and that's going to delay matters further. So if you're a delay motivator, and if you're a delay strategizer, then you're going to opt for, for the see what the evidence is against Sidney Powell and Kenneth Jesbro and delay the rest of the cases against you. Okay, so now tell me this. Then. Why do Powell and Jesbro want to go first? Right. So why, why are they the guinea pigs? I thought about that, and I think my opinion is 
I don't think they're going to be guinea pigs. I think they think what is the specific evidence against us, and we don't want to get lost in the pack. And we don't think they have very strong evidence against us or weaker evidence. Or, and we want to be our own person at trial, not, not one of the 20, not one of the 19. We want to be our own person, and we stand a better chance of being our own person when there's just two of us. That's so, so what they're saying is that we're, we have the best chance of getting an acquittal. Right. Let's find out what they have to say with our evidence. But... No, are Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro getting their attorney's fees paid? Uh, is somebody is somebody springing for their attorney's fees to make sure that they they don't have to uh, they don't have to pay them out of their own pocket? Maybe they don't even have the money to pay for the attorneys that are going to be required. But maybe somebody sits there that's a multi billionaire and says it's really important for me to know because you know we, we can talk about this later or we can talk about it now. The, the the Constitution, in essence, provides, as far as we know, that Donald Trump could get found guilty, could go to prison, and he could still be president from the prison. He could be. And he could run the country from the prison. He could be. So, you know, if he's saying, look, you know, I'm going to be running this country regardless if I win the election, but and I can't really pardon you from state court charges. Correct. But I, and I want you to go stick your neck out on state court charges. Meanwhile, I got another person over here who's going to say these should be federal court charges. So I'm going to take a chance to get these put into federal court where I can pardon myself. But if not... I want you guys to go and I'm going to pay for all your expenses and I'm going to pay for all your attorney's fees. And maybe I'm going to hire your brothers and your sisters and your mothers and your fathers and your children and everybody else to work in my huge corporate offices. And in return, what you're going to do is you're going to go first. And, you know, we'll give you every every opportunity, but we're, you're going to go first. Well, the other part of the legal strategy for Sidney Powell and Kenny, Kenneth Chesbro is when you tell them, I want a speedy trial, it's going to happen. Okay, so what does, that, what does that mean? That kicks into motion a lot of duties and responsibilities on behalf of the district attorney. That, that if they don't have to meet those for months and months and months, that's better for them. If they have to meet them in, a, in two weeks or, or a month or five weeks, that's worse. And one of the things is discovery. They have to get their case together, and what's called discovery. That's mean one side in a legal case is civil or criminal. One side in a legal case gets to discover and look at and see what documentary evidence you have, what witness statements you have, what, what documents, what videos, what proof you have. That puts the pressure on the DA in Georgia to come up with all of that and disclose it in accordance with the Georgia rules, which we've got right here, and, and so that's that's put a lot of heat on the on the Georgia prosecutor to get it done now, right? And you know one of the rules is is that uh, the prosecuting attorney has to no later than ten days prior to trial, or such time as court orders. And you would think court would if you're if you're a defendant, you're going to be asking the court to require it much more than ten days prior to trial. Of course, disclose to the defendant and make available for inspection, copying or photographing, etc. Uh, any documents within its possession, uh, control or, or whatever that, that show any kind of relevant oral statements. Okay, that, among other things, there's a whole lot of stuff they've got to give within 10 days of trial. And you know darn good and well that, you know, Powell and Judge are not waiting 
for 10 days prior to trial to get this stuff. No, they're going to file motions. That's what I mean. They're going to be more motions. Motions for early discovery. Motion to make the DA respond by next week instead of next month. Make them do this. Make them do that. And so that's part of the strategy. And maybe you, you want a, an early an early trial. I think the biggest factor to me is they don't want to be part of the pack. They don't want to get lost in the pack. They want to get their case heard separately, quickly, and, and put the pressure on the DA, put the pressure on the district attorney for discovery, have them set out their case, lay out the case for the remaining defendants whenever their trial is, and see if, see if they can gain an acquittal that way and not become part of the pack. And if I'm Donald Trump, based on what appears to have happened when he got indicted, as far as the popularity of the polls, I want to continue being under indictment. Right. I want to be one of the last to go. I want to continue. I have all these benefits of learning what has, what's happened to the first 18 people, but I also want to continue to be under indictment because it helps my election. It helps yeah. me. All right. And let's talk about another practical matter. Yeah, you're right, Brad. Exactly right. And I agree with you. That's, that's part of the legal strategy, part of the overall strategy. But let's talk about something else. 19 people indicted. Two are going to go early. What if, I mean, I think every prosecutor in this world relies on one of the 17 people to flip. Okay, well, okay, but, but bear me out, hear me out here. If, if they're going to flip, they might not flip by the time Sidney Powell and Ches- Kenneth Chesbrough go to trial. Well, maybe, maybe Powell and Chesbrough are going to flip. Maybe they're going to flip. And maybe they're going to flip after they get convicted. Maybe, maybe they get convicted and then they flip. Maybe they do, but but let's say they let's say they don't. And if if the DA is waiting for somebody to flip, and that you got to understand that somebody's going to flip somewhere. But if if Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbrough go to trial, and, and maybe somebody later was going to flip against them, they haven't flipped yet. They haven't done it yet. And and Sidney Powell's already gone to trial, and Kenneth Chesbrough's already gone to trial. So they haven't flipped, and and that's another strategy for the whole thing. Well, you sir. you can't tell me a district attorney in Georgia indicted 19 people assuming every one of them wants to go to trial. Somebody's going to cave in. Somebody's going to get the call. Some defense lawyer is going to call the prosecutor and say, hey, I want to talk to you about a deal. And maybe we should do a show on how that deal comes down because here's how it works. They call the prosecutor, want a deal. The prosecutor says, okay, we'll talk. And then the prosecutor sits down and they say, what do you got for me? What, what can your lady or what can your guy give me? I can give you, the attorney says, I can give you X, Y, Z. They're not hearing it from the defendant. They're hearing it from the lawyer. Well, if, And they if strike not, a deal. If somebody not, flips. If they're not convicted, what do you give them? I can give you getting off your indictment versus, and I can say I'm not going to prosecute you, versus uh, maybe you give them a favorable charge or you, you, you have them plead guilty to something le- uh, more favorable as far as sentencing concessions. Right. Or... or if you've already gotten convicted, maybe maybe at that point they say, let's do a deal. You know, would Chesbro or, or Powell to do a deal? If they, if they were convicted, if they were looking at 20 years in prison? Well, uh, let's, let's take that scenario. Suppose Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro goes to trial. Suppose they both take the Fifth Amendment. They don't testify. They don't say a word. If, if they're acquitted, they walk. If they're if they're convicted, they might want to strike a deal. Then they haven't said a word yet. They might have some information that they, that they they could use for more leniency in the sentencing phase of the transaction. That's all part of the legal strategy. And we are not on this podcast saying anybody's guilty or anybody's not guilty. 
That's for, that's for the jury to decide. We're talking about legal strategy and what the attorneys are doing and what they're doing against the DA and what the DA's obligations are to give discovery. And by the way, the defendants have to give discovery too uh, to the DA of what their case is, what their defense is, uh, and, the, and the prosecution has to give the discovery to the defense lawyers. That's right. They, they've got to give the discovery back and forth. They've got to identify what, what, who the witnesses are and what the witnesses are going to say. Of course, you would expect that the defense has some access to the to the testimony of those people who testified to the special grand jury to to be able to know what they said and what they were what they were implying and, and what caused uh, whoever was on that special grand jury to decide there ought to be an indictment. So you know there there's going to be access to a lot of information for the defense anyway, and you know then if you've got a a group. Of people, you you, you got to understand, or at least I think you got to understand that most of the time, a seditious act. If you're if you're trying to get somebody from a, a, the secretary of state's office from a particular state to to flip votes or to cancel votes or to do something like that, usually that's going to take more than just one person uh, get, talking to them as they're walking to their car one night, uh, trying to flip them a roll of hundreds. That's going to be it's going to be a lot more. It's got. There's a lot more involved. There has to. There ha, there, there has to be more involved. But I, I want to go. I mean, we're, we're getting close to the end of, of our podcast. But I want to go about. The, I want to talk about the Fifth Amendment in Georgia, and you're going to find this fascinating because there's such thing known as the General Fifth Amendment and the Selective Fifth Amendment. Well, what do you mean, Gary? Brad, what do you mean? Okay, even if, when you're testifying in front of the grand jury and there's nobody around, there's not a judge around. Or you're testifying in court, okay? If if you're if you're a party, let's take the first trial with Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro. They cannot be called to the stand. They cannot be to be made to incriminate themselves if they have anything to say to incriminate themselves. But they're a party. They either have to take the Fifth Amendment as to everything, or not at all. They can't say, "Well, I'll answer those two questions, but I'm not going to answer the rest of your questions. I'll take the Fifth Amendment." But if you're a witness, Brad, you might be a witness in the later trial. You might be a witness in the early trial with Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro. If you're a witness and they've got you on the stand, then you can have selective Fifth Amendment rights. What does that mean? That means they ask you a question. You can say, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to plead the Fifth Amendment on, on grounds that may tend to incriminate me. And then you ask them another question. They say, well, I, can, I will answer that question. So witnesses get, in Georgia get selective Fifth Amendment Parties involved in the litigation do not. Yeah, but, but pay attention to that. You know, it, it makes sense you say, well, party, I'm not going to let you get up and only testify at all the good stuff and then not have to face the tune on the bad stuff. Um, and we've already, we're already saying we think what you're going to say is going to incriminate you. As far as a witness doing that, um, it, it, should the district attorney... Uh, should the ears on the district attorney perk up if they get a witness who's not part of the 19 and they put them on the stand and they say, okay, give us this information. And they say, I'm not going to answer that because it might incriminate me. Right. You bet you're going to perk up. I mean, you know, does that, does that get everybody going a little bit? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I was called to the witness stand next week to just go down to the Denver district court and testify. And if I started saying, well, I'm not going to answer that because it, it could incriminate me, if that wouldn't be a hint 
Hello. Be a hint Hello. That you want that you want to be checking out and seeing what the heck I've been doing. Right. You no, know, uh, in those areas because you know that that's that's kind of a, a tough one anyway. So that that'll be very interesting to see what it is. That, that, but that could be a reason why you want to call if you're a district attorney you say, "Well, I got 17 people here I can call and they're going to be selective in what they uh, take the the, the Fifth Amendment on and then other stuff they're not going to and you're not a party so you can't you can't say I'm just not yeah. going to testify. So in Georgia parties cannot be selective Fifth Amendment people uh, they have to be general Fifth Amendment people they say I'm not going to testify at all and I'm just going to sit here and, be, and remain silent and they have the right to remain silent under the United States Constitution and in Georgia as well. Okay. And and let's not forget yeah. the district attorney probably you know, in the and I know in Colorado they do. District attorney probably has the right to look at a witness when they say, "I, I, I I'm not going to answer that because it might incriminate me." Has the right to say, "I'll give you immunity." I'm not going to prosecute you. I promise you, you won't be prosecuted, and then no, nobody in my group will prosecute you. So now, if I'm the if I'm in Georgia, and I say there are 17 other people in this conspiracy. And only two are going to trial. I can pop the other ones in and start asking them questions. And if it's really important to me, I can start saying I'm going to give you immunity. Let's hear what you have to say. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I'll guarantee you, this district attorney is waiting for somebody to flip. And, and one more time, how does that happen? The defense lawyer for person X, Y, and Z, or person X, calls him up and says, "I want to talk to you about a deal." All right, let's meet. What's your deal? And the bottom line question from the DA is, "Okay, what do you got for me?" What can you do? Well, I can, I can give you, here's the defense lawyer talking, I can give you evidence on this, 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 and this. I can give you proof of this, this, and this, but I want total immunity. I want my, I want my guy off. I want him to walk. I want her to walk. And so that's the way it works. The important part I want you to understand, and Brad wants you to understand, in that process of striking a deal, the DA is not talking to the defendant because if the defendant talks to the DA, that's an admission out of their mouth. They got to be talking to the attorney. The attorney says, "I can give you X, Y, Z. I can give you on a, somebody's head on a silver platter." And here's what I got. And you don't have that in your discovery because I haven't seen it. But I can give you their head on a silver platter. But my guy's going to walk out of this courtroom free. That's what we're going to do. Okay. All right. You're listening to you got you got more, Brad. No. All right. You're listening to Legal Anatomy of Current Events. I'm Gary Bell along with Brad Pollack. We're here for you. We try to give you the legal story inside the story so you can understand what is all, what's happening, what did happen, what's going to happen. We got a show coming up. Get ready. We got a show coming up on whether or not under the 14th Amendment, ex-President Trump can even be barred for a rebellion or resurrection or insurrection against the government, and we've got lawsuits pending on this matter to remove him from the ballots. We're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a show on that uh, coming up, and we've got some other shows on, on the indictments uh, as well. Okay, Brad, let's get to the fun part of the show today on Legal Anatomy of Current Events. Before, but before we do, remember, if you want to contact us, you can contact us at info at legalanatomy.net. That's info at legalanatomy.net. Okay, what do you got for... Uh, uh, I bet you got some good ones today for the American idiom. I bet you do. Well, I don't know if I have some good ones, but you know, we 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 have to start with the American idiom that uh, a grand jury only has one side, and that is of the prosecutor. 
And, you know, we've talked about that today. That's the only side the grand jury gets is what the prosecutor has to say, and they only have one side then. Um, something that you like to say all the time that is brought out many, many times, uh, you know, and, and has been said repeatedly by different people, is that normally a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich if the prosecutor asks them to. Right. So, you know, I'm not trying to say Trump is or isn't or any of the people. You have to understand grand juries only have one side, that of the prosecutor, and they'll indict a ham sandwich if, the, if they ask them to. And then, you know, I think it was Mark Twain. We have to remember the golden words. Once again, remember, I'm not saying I'm on any side, but it, Mark Twain used to say, when you go into court and you're putting your hands in the fate, or your fate, I'm sorry, your fate in the hands of 12 people, you have to remember they weren't smart enough to get out of jury duty. So you have to remember <laughs> then, that's when you're putting your hands in the That's fate. pretty good. <laughs> your fate in the hands. I like, I like your American idioms. They usually fit exactly what it is. But, but we learned that in law school. We did. Everybody learns that you, you can indict a ham sandwich if you want to. There's no, but, there's no defense lawyer there. There's no judge there. There's just witnesses and the grand jury. That's it. One side. One side. And none of them were smart enough to get out of jury duty. duty. <laughs> Just remember that. Well, the other thing to think about is if you convene a grand jury, and we're going to do a show on double jeopardy. This is not the show. But if you convene a grand jury and they don't give you the answer you, you like as a prosecutor, can you just reconvene a grand jury yeah, again? Yeah, just start over. Do it, you can start over. Do it again. Just start over. Start over in the middle. Start over whenever yeah, you want. You, you, can, you, can have two, you can have two grand juries return a no bill. That's what it's called, no bill. And you say, okay, fine, I'll just do it again. Just All right, going. I'm going to get to the quote of the day. I, don't, I just do one quote. You do three or four idioms. I mean, they're pretty good. I like that, though. I have to, right. and it makes sense for him. All right. I, I get to do the quote. Um, so this is from John Lennon, and he says, Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. And this could apply to some of the defendants in Georgia. You know, life happened to you while you were planning something else. All right, Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. Legal Anatomy of Current Events, we're here for you every week. You can reach us at info at legalanatomy.net. Don't forget that. We're out of Denver, Colorado, and we try to give you the legal story inside the story. We try to anatomize your mind. See you next week.